Welcome to the Ethics Experts, where we're elevating ethics and compliance and HR to the strategic level it's supposed to be. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ethics Experts. I'm your host, Giovanni Gallo. This podcast is brought to you by Compliance Line, the leader in issue intake, case management, sanction screening, and e-learning uh, across the ethics and compliance industry. I am super excited to introduce you to Mauricio Escobar today, but before we get into that, I want to welcome you, dear listener. Thanks for joining us today, and all of you subscribers out there. If you're a subscriber, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you joined us. Welcome, welcome, and that's what you get every time when you are a subscriber, you get an extra special welcome on the Ethics Experts. So hit that subscribe button, get it, get, get it when we come out every week and catch all of these insights from thoughtful, uh, knowledgeable and passionate leaders in the ethics and compliance space. So with that, without further ado, I want to introduce Mauricio Escobar. Thanks for joining us today, Mauricio. Thanks for having me, Giovanni. It's a, it's a pleasure. I've listened to your podcast before. And so it's a, it's a thrill to be uh, sitting here uh, through the interwebs, uh, internet, but otherwise, uh, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Glad you're here. Uh, just so everyone knows, Mauricio is a senior associate at Kilpatrick Townsend in Stockton. Uh, he's uh, also a professor at the University of Houston. Um, he's a litigator, specializes and teaches in um, construction law, and uh, is just someone who cares passionately, not just about the letter of the law, but what is ethical and what is right, um, and company culture and all of those types of things. So that's what we're going to get into today. So uh, let's get into it. Um, Mauricio, we like to tell on the show, uh, we like to start by talking about uh, people's personal stories. Everyone comes to their understanding and their knowledge and their experience in ethics and compliance um, through different paths. So tell me a little bit about your uh, career background and how you got to where you are today. So my career background has taken several little interesting paths. Uh, I, I was never a kid who thought uh, I would be practicing law at any point. I, from the time I was probably um, 10 or so, I wanted to be a musician. I, I grew up in South America for a period of time and then moved to the States when I was young, eight or so years old, seven or so years old, and uh, was in school and got introduced into the arts, got introduced into music. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, I, I got home from school, I practiced my instrument, I, I tried to write music and did that uh, through school uh, and into college. I, at first, I was uh, more of a... Um, what my, I guess my mom would have called more of a serious uh, major. I was a computer science major for a bit, okay. uh, but that didn't really work out because it just didn't it didn't sound fun to me. Uh, so yeah. I switched I switched things around from time to time. Finally, got back to what I really wanted to do, which is music, and um, focused on music theory because I wanted to teach uh, at the college level at some point. Uh, but I was also still performing. I was very much uh, deep into being a performer. Um, and uh, after college, I found myself in what I thought at the time was my dream job. I was working at, at Disney World and as a musician, I thought, man, this is this is it. I've made it in life. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, you get a chance to perform for people. And this is this is what they pay me to do. And so I, I thought I had reached the pinnacle and and, you know, life puts you in different places at different times. And, and so I just kind of went with a role uh, uh, and move from there into a, into a, a Broadway show, a, a show that uh, that was uh, um, on the Broadway stage on West End as well in London and was a performer on that show. Uh, and then 9-11 hits and like uh, like it, it had an impact on most people, it had an impact on me. Sure. And I realized, you know, I'm doing this music thing, 
but it doesn't feel like I'm contributing any meaningful way. And oh, wow. I thought, you know what, how do people contribute? And I, and I looked to the news and I saw politicians talking about, you know, changes that needed to be made. And I figured out, well, these guys look like they are making a change. How do you get to be a politician? Most of them go to law school. Most of them have practiced law. So I thought, let's do that. Let's 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 go that down that path. And so I did. I went to law school. Still didn't really have a clear idea of what I was going to do. Um, you know, finished law school and started working um, private practice, uh, and uh, found my way in, in, into the the world of litigation and really enjoyed the, the practice. And uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have really strong mentors in my career. And, uh, and that's kind of guided me on how I approach my practice. Uh, I, like you mentioned before, I'm a litigator. And so that's kind of what I did for a long time as I was a litigator in uh, commercial litigation and with some uh, emphasis in uh, both the energy industry and so oil and gas, as well as uh, construction law. Um, and uh, I've been doing that for quite a while and, and um, got a chance to move on to um, the current firm I'm in, Kilpatrick Townsend and Stockton. Uh, fantastic um, firm, fantastic people that, that I get to work with on a day-to-day -day basis, not only in our Houston office, but throughout our various offices. Uh, I constantly learn from my colleagues, uh, both senior and more junior colleagues. And uh, after joining the firm, I got a chance to, to really uh, experience other practice areas, um, both in terms of litigation as well, but focused on different industries but also in the context of corporate compliance issues. And so uh, it's in that world where I realized, man, this is, this is really kind of strikes to the bottom of what, what, what fascinates me about, about uh, you know, just how corporations uh, exist and coexist amongst us. And uh, I was fascinated in the kind of work that was coming in, the kind of work that I was getting to do. And, that's kind of how uh, it's shaped my career for the past four or five years. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I love asking that question because everyone has a different path, right? You know, um, I, you know, I, I haven't met anybody who's passionate about, you know, corporate compliance and ethics that says, you know, when I was three, I always dreamed of uh, being, you know, an ethics lawyer or something. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's frequently this common tie that binds us of we want to make an impact. We want to make the world a better workplace. We want to, you know, take care of people and, you know, make sure people are treated right. I think people who have that passion and that understanding and that caring and see, you know, hey, you know what? The workplace is this really big domain that so many people spend so much of their life in. And you know what? It's pretty messy and it's not always done right. And, you know, we could kind of, you know, give, give people a bit of a pass and say, hey, a lot of people don't know what the right thing to do is and we need to guide them. And obviously there are some things where, you know, people are doing the wrong thing on purpose, but, you know, either way people realize, hey, you know what, I can have a say, I can advise people, I can help build a program that's going to make all of these employees lives better. And I think that's why a lot of us find um, our home here where it's not just, you know, you care, but you can do something about it. And that's what's really exciting about it. I, that's absolutely spot on. It's the uh, ability and opportunity uh, and privilege to be able to help an organization, big or small, uh, impact them in a positive way that uh, will um, can maybe down the line impact their bottom bottom line, but also the 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 culture within that organization, big or small. Uh, and so that it's that opportunity, and I see it as a privilege to get to do that kind of work that really 
uh, gets me to show up every day. Yeah, that's great. It really is a privilege, isn't it? I love that. Um, so um, let's talk a little bit about corporate culture. It's something that, you know, we both kind of vibed on and connected over. Um, you know, there's, you know, I, I think of it as kind of this continuum of there's some stuff that you lock down and no one can do it, right? You can't get through this door without a key or you can't log in without this password. And that's one way to kind of, you know, make sure the right things get done. And then, you know, kind of everything else that you can't force is kind of part of culture, right? It's part of, hey, you know what? This is how we do things around here. Um, you made a, an interesting post recently on LinkedIn. You guys got to follow Mauricio Escobar on LinkedIn. Uh, but uh, you made a post about how you recognize that this thing about running a corporate culture and building your values and showing people kind of what matters here is a lot like how we run our family. And you have, I think, three girls, right? That's right. And, you know, you, you were commenting on how the way that, you know, the leadership in your house, you and your wife run your family is really very similar to a lot of the things that we need to instill in a culture at work. Um, you know, obviously there are differences, but we're, we're building cultures because they're humans and we're in a system of interdependencies and, you know, we're kind of, you know, atoms bumping up, up against each other in the system and you got to build a culture in, in both of them. Uh, tell me a little about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the culture that you try to build as an organization or as a family is going to, has to start with what is your goal for your family? What is your goal for your for your company. Yeah. And it can't be defined by externalities. It can't be defined by pop culture. It can't be defined by media culture, just like how I mentioned in that post. And so yeah. what, what we focus on as a family is not going to be defined by what others say it should be defined by. It's not going to be defined by what we see on Instagram or what we see on Facebook or Meta, I guess. It, you know, <laughs> any, any social media platform is going to be de defined by how we define our values in our home, much like in the, in the company. Uh, we have a Christian-based family. We've got some important um, values that we try to emphasize that, that are about, you know, honesty, respect, trust, and love. And those all sound soft and gushy, but they're important because yeah. it's going to shape how kids um, behave here, not, at, not only at home, but outside the home, when they're outside of our eyes, mm -hmm. uh, in the classroom, or when they're at friends' homes. Uh, and... And it's also going to impact them how they they feel their voices heard in our home. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what I see, and I don't pretend to be a, you know, an expert in parenthood by no means. I'm just trying <laughs> to do what I feel is the best that I can do. But sure. uh, in a lot of what we see and hear um, can be um, redirected by a, a proper foundation in, in the home. And again, in the in the corporate sphere. A lot of what you see is happening outside can be redirected by the proper culture. And that starts with your leaders. Uh, what do the leaders uh, want or envision out of that, that corporation, that entity? And what did they do to bring in the right people to emphasize those values? And do those values include ensuring that your teammates, your, your employees feel like their voice is important, that their voice is heard? Because that's right. going to impact uh, trust. It's going to impact how you, how the those employees uh, identify themselves within the corporation, within the entity, and when there is potential wrongdoing, how do they react to that? Do they feel right. confident that they can come to you uh, or use what, uh, whatever appropriate platform um, to uh, inform you about those things? Just like in our home, if if we build an environment of trust and honesty and respect and love. 
Are our kids going to feel like they can come to us um, for anything that's on their mind through the happiest of times or through the most challenging times? And yeah. if we can instill those values early on, um, that'll help us uh, ensure that they can come to us. It'll also probably keep the gray hairs down because I'll realize <laughs> you know, I've instilled in them, uh, enough values that, I, that that hopefully once they're they're out of uh, our site or our home, uh, we can be confident that that they'll always come back to us uh, and feel confident that they can speak to us about whatever is important in their lives. And the same in the corporate culture, if you can instill those values uh, with your employees, They'll, they will reflect that through the type of honesty that they will endeavor to bring to the meeting room or right. whatever aspect of the industry. And also how open they are with, 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 um, with leaders and supervisors and managers. So yeah, I, 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 that post was from today. And I, and I, at first I thought, man, should I be putting this out there? Because I don't want anybody to think I'm, I, I'm some sort of pretend to be some sort of whiz at parenthood i don't i i try to learn every day i read books as much as i can uh, yeah. but but i'm just trying to do the best i can and i and i um it started off with a, a friend asking me you know what is it that you're doing today and 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 i was describing what i was doing i realized man i'm probably not doing a good, very good job of it and then he summarized what i was doing and i thought man i think you're right i think that yeah. is what i'm trying to do and so yeah. that's kind of that was the 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 um the starting point for that post that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing it. I mean, there's there there's so much there. Um, I love what you said about it keeping the gray hairs down because I think a lot of people see the tactical, practical things that you build into a compliance program as those are the things that manage risk, right? If you know, uh, if we have someone test to this policy, if we you know know that someone spent an hour learning about discrimination, if we can you know enforce this thing, then that's how we control risk. But really, the culture that you build can give you confidence that, hey, you know what, the right things are happening. You know what, the, our, our team, our people, our team members, our leaders, they know what matters. They know what our values are. They know how to decide around these different trade-offs and they're gonna land in the right spot or they're gonna come ask. If you can build that into your culture, it's really so much more comprehensive. It handles the complexity that is present in you know, an increasingly complex you know, information and knowledge economy. Um, and building that culture actually can, you know, lower your cortisol level, lower your concern and worry about like what's going on in the company and actually help manage your risk. It's not just those tactical things. And I appreciate you making that distinction. Um, you also talked, you know, a, a bit in there about, you know, kind of this thing of a speak up, listen up culture. You talked about how, you know, um, you want in your home, your children to be able to come to you and tell you when they have a problem. And they, you want them to, you know, feel safe to say, hey, this isn't going right and this isn't working for me. That's also something we want to build into our co corporate culture, isn't it? That's absolutely true. That's very important. And in, in, in a lot of the risks that you see out there currently um, and our risk uh, spectrum has changed because of COVID. Um, yeah. It's brought on a new level of risks. But at the end of the day, it all starts off with what is that? What does the culture feel like? Uh, is their opportunity to be heard, and they feel protected and, in a way, nurtured to to be able to uh, to be open about what they see that they believe is not proper within the organization. And so, um, you know, that speak up culture is very important. Like you mentioned for for your compliance program, you could have all the 
and you can check all the boxes. You could have the yep. policies, you could, you could have all the training, you can maybe even have the right metrics. Although I've seen that not a lot of times you're looking at the right metrics, but let's say you've right. got all the right metrics. But at the end of the day, it still might not translate into anything that, that manages risk in the right way. Sure. Um, one of the areas that, that I handle is, is uh, compliance in the um, trade sanctions uh, sphere. Okay. And, and so I'm, I'm constantly looking to see what's, what's the administration doing, how have they shifted gears in terms of their trade sanctions enforcement. And there was a recent uh, enforcement action that came out, I think it was last week, um, that, that discussed um, an organization that had all those things in place. They had a compliance program, they had training, there was constant um, SOPs on the topic, there was refresher emails, there was everything you could think of that you could check the box. Yeah, but there was still something missing there that was causing people to bend the rules or to turn a blind eye to those policies and SOPs. What was it? Uh, you know, I, I can't get inside what was happening in the, in the corporation, but I can guess that perhaps it could be a corporate culture. So right. I, I see it uh, daily. Um, I read about it often and it causes you to think and realize these two go hand in hand. You, you're, yeah. yeah, you can have all the right metrics and everything in place, but where is your corporate culture? Is it aligned with how your organization or the direction you feel your organization should be headed or you want it to be headed? Um, and, and they will both will help you manage risks. And you, know, you can't avoid risks, they're gonna be out there, but the key is how does your organization react um, when something is not going the right way? Yeah, um, and you know, such a big piece of that that you know, I think a lot of companies have been focused on for a long time is that that speak up culture, right? That, hey, if you see something wrong, then say something. Hey, help us find this stuff. Let, you know, all of our humans should be sensors of risk and saying, hey, you know what? We need to, um, you know, we, we need to, you know, do something about this because it's not going right. But, you know, I think um, a finer point about that, that I think is kind of expressed in as people are start talk, starting to talk about it as listen up, not just we want you to speak up, but we're listening, is that people should feel like their voice is heard. And people should come be able to come to you and not just say, I identified a break in the system, but just, hey, this isn't really working for me. Hey, you know what, I know you want my input. And there are probably some other people who are, you know, either suffering or uncomfortable or something with this. Um, and just like you want your kids to be able to come to you like that, you know, you, we, we should build, you know, in, in its own way, in a corporate environment, a way for employees to know, hey, you know what, there's somebody who cares that I have a problem and will at least listen, if not kind of try to, you know, troubleshoot or problem solve that with me. Um, and that, you know, that's an important part to build a strong culture because, you know, at that company you were talking about, I'm sure there are a bunch of other people who know, hey, I know you tell us this all the time. I know you have assigned this, you know, attestation. I know that we sit through all this training. Just so you know, everyone thinks this is garbage and everyone thinks that you actually don't care about it. And we're all just, you know, winking at each other being like, oh yeah, remember we're supposed to do that. Absolutely true. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's not just speak up, it's listen up. And in our home, it's the same way. It's It, it can't just be a, about parents doing the talking. We have to do right. a lot of listening. And, and sometimes that means that verbal listening, but also just listening with your eyes and what, what do you see? Uh, because, you know, we're creatures that, that we're not consistent in our day-to-day -day interactions. Um, sure. And, and how, what we say isn't always what we're thinking. Um, and what we're thinking is not consistent with what we're saying. So um, you have to be able to do both. 
um, be able to listen carefully uh, to the words, but also what do you see as far as interactions? Because that right. will tell you a lot about what is the true corporate culture. You could still be doing the right things, but is it being absorbed by people? Um, because I mean, maybe it's not because they're not seeing a model there that's that's that reflects what you're saying you want to do as, as an organization. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'd like to uh, see how you kind of wear both uh, the, the culture and the legal hat at once, because they, sh you know, they should complement each other, but also, you know, not everything that's ethical is in the law, right? Um, and not everything is, you know, not everything that we should be doing are we enforced to do by regulators. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about what, you know, how this conversation comes up, because, you know, you're a lawyer, you're at a law firm, um, you know, people may come to you for a very specific, you know, advice and guidance and counsel on a specific issue. But, you know, you're the type of person that sees the full, you know, the full picture and say, hey, you know, here's kind of the legal advice. Here's this point, but also this is a cultural issue. How do you get into those conversations and how does that kind of get integrated beyond just, you know, uh, you know, what's in, um, you know, some some regulation or some law? You know, a lot of times it's just a reminder that those two do go hand in hand. Um, yeah. You know, obviously in, in, in our, in my practice, the, the folks coming in and, and asking for assistance are going to want to know what, what did they need to do to conform to the regulation or laws that are in place for that industry. Right. And, and yeah, we can definitely talk about those things and we do talk about those things and, and how to provide, uh, how they can, you know, um, incorporate those things in, in a way that ensures that they're doing what they're, they're supposed to be doing uh, right. in accordance with the laws and regulations. But uh, also important is, okay, maybe you found a way to comply with the law and maybe there is a loophole in the law and there are various out there in different spheres. Um, is it a reason to take advantage of that loophole because it provides some sort of uh, greater uh, value to your company because you can bring in additional um, you know, revenue because you've, you've managed to comply with the law and do things in accordance with the law, but there's this one gray area there that nobody's really talking about, or maybe they are talking about it, but it's still a question mark. And so you're going to try to um, you know, go down that path and, and it's maybe profitable for you, but is it, yeah. it's an open question. Is it ethical for you to do so? Right. And yeah, it, the legal uh, the legal side and the ethics side do go hand in hand. And as, as you talk through the clients and, and advise them on what the law says, you, you talk to them about, well, what's, you want to get an understanding for what's, what's the, the climate in your, in your company? What's the corporate culture like? What, what do you value? Is, is it results oriented or is it customer service driven? If it's results oriented, then, you know, there's probably a greater emphasis on just what the law requires me to do and let me do that and that'll be it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's, it's customer service oriented, if, if you want to really get people to come back to you and, and continue to use your, your services or your products or whatever it may be, it's more than just does it, does it check the box if it's legal? Does it go beyond that? And is it, is it ethical? Am I doing the right thing for my people, my customers, uh, the environment, you know? And so- yeah. Those two important things, and you got to look to see what what's important in your industry. Is it like I said? Is it results oriented, or is it just there? Is it driven by your customers and their loyalty, right. and do they come back to you for for those goods or services? Yeah, um, I, I love that point about the loopholes because you know 
you can quote unquote get away with it, right? Like, yeah, you know, there's a loophole there. You can do this. It hasn't been locked down yet. They haven't closed the loophole on it. You know, you can do it, but there are also these externalities and these knock on effects of if we're a company that's always trying to find that, well, you know what, you're kind of teaching your employees to do that to you and your policies and you're teaching your employees to, Hey, if you can get away with it, you know, in the eyes of our culture, well, that's kind of legal because, you know, you didn't get caught or something. Um, and, you know, obviously there's gray area. It takes wisdom. It takes, you know, kind of understanding how it matters um, because, you know, there's, there, uh, there, there's a difference between kind of abusing uh, loophole and, you know, using structure that's built into a law that says, yeah, you know, there's an exception for this. Uh, but, but understanding those knock on effects and understanding that, you know, if you say this is okay, that might get extended or applied to some other stuff. So you got to start checking all the loopholes in your policies now, if that's, you know, something you want to build into your culture. And to your point, it might be, you might say, hey, you know what, if, you know, if performance is performance, if you can get it, you know, we'll kind of figure it out with insurance or something. Absolutely true. And the other, the other, um, you know, the other thing that came to mind is that a lot of times misconduct is a problem of opportunity. Do I, is there an opportunity for to, to do something that is not proper, that is not, uh, mm. that may be legal, but it's just not consistent with, well, with our values, our corporate values. And if there's that opportunity to do so uh, in one area, there's going to be an opportunity to do so in all areas of your, of your organization that are, that will impact you internally, that will impact the trust level that will impact, uh, you know, employee retention and employee yeah. uh, enjoyment of their work. And so, yeah, if you if you model behavior that says it's okay to, to you know, utilize that loophole because nobody's nobody's closed it up, um, well, it's going to mirror that within the organization. And then there are people that 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 care, and they're going to realize this isn't the right place for me. And so you're going to start yeah. to lose talent, and, and then that's going to drive down what you're trying to foster, which was you know, a good corporate culture. So, man, those are two really critical elements. And, and, and it's, it's not a thing that can be solved in, in one short conversation. It's got to be an yes. ongoing daily conversation. Yeah. Just like this fire over here, you got to keep putting logs on the fire because you got to keep, keep, keep that, uh, the fire of your culture blazing. Absolutely true. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you said something else about kind of What's driving that culture? Is it performance? Is it customer service? Is it ethics? Is it, you know, caring about our internal people? That kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier is, you know, is my family culture driven by what's happening at school or what's on Instagram or something like that? And I think it's important for people to realize that when you're building a corporate culture, it's not just what's going on in your industry. Oh, well, we're accounting and everyone in accounting does this. So we just do this. You know, you make a choice about we want to be this type of company. We're going to attract these type of people. We, you know, we want this to be, you know, maybe it's the people who are great at keeping privacy and we're going to be, you know, really secretive because that lets us do it well. Or we're going to be really open and transparent and candid. Um, but you make a choice. It's not just driven by the ex these external factors. It's kind of driven by how you want to float this river or how you want how, how you want to kind of position yourself within your industry. And it's driven by those choices, not just the external forces of regulators and competition and customers and stuff like that. It's driven, you know, from the heart out as well. Absolutely true. And it's driven by the, the I think, the notion of of uh, accepting that being different is OK. And different can mean, yeah, those other companies do it that way. Uh, and we might be the one that's not going to do it that way, but we right. believe this is the right way to do things. And that mm -hmm. could foster change and can be that, that, that spark for change where now all of a sudden you being different is now the right thing to do. 
that that right. we follow you now because yeah, you did some things that were different that nobody else was doing, but we see that uh, you see that your organization has really thrived in being different um, and and has you know has fostered a, a, a belief system within the organization of trust, of loyalty. You, you're bringing in top talent, you're retaining top talent. Uh, and that goes on uh, for a long period of time that you have success with your organization. So I, I appreciate the the new horizon of, of being different is okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's great. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, we were talking earlier about, I think it was a speech that you were at or, or that you were watching of maybe an Enron executive who was talking about I behaved a certain way and I got a trophy for it and I got thrown in jail for it. So <laughs> tell, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, no, and that goes back to our conversation about uh, whether it's legal uh, and does that mean uh, it's also ethical? And and I think I was, uh, I had seen this, um, at first I'd seen this article about this speech. I never saw the speech, but I saw an article about the speech and then I saw what appeared to be a transcript of the speech. Okay. And it, it was right, it was it was an ex-Enron executive who had, who had served some time for um, alleged actions or omissions within, from his time at Enron. And he is now, or was at the time on the speaking circuit, uh, talking about ethics. And he was talking that he had, um, as part of his speech, he showed uh, the cover page of a, of a, of a magazine that, that sort of uh, gave him an award for being, um, you know, the top of his game in his industry. Yeah. And um, he also then showed his prison ID card. And he said, I got these two things from the exact same behavior. Wow. So what do you what do you derive from that? And the point he was trying to make, which is our, our prior discussion, is all about is it legal uh, and is it ethical? He thrived in his industry. He was uh, awarded um, uh many accolades uh, for his work in industry because he got results and yeah. the results that the company liked and investors liked. And so he was seen as at the top of his game. Um, he also saw opportunities to uh, work through some of those loopholes. Yeah. And um, even, even though the conduct was, was legal, um, but there was a loophole that he could, um, you know, Thread the needle and 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 yeah. really and you know get some uh, get some traction and and sort of set himself apart or the company apart from other companies through that loophole, and so at the end of the day, his point is yeah all the things that I did were legal, uh, but there were some loopholes um, that we definitely used to our advantage, and it's those loopholes that when enough people started looking, um, that got me into jail because it meant that I wasn't ethical in my practice uh, and in how I conducted the business of the organization. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that can be unsettling once we realize it is when we're leading an organization, whether you're chief counsel or you're running compliance and ethics or just, you know, running, uh, you know, your FCPA program, there are certain things that the law says you have to do. Those, 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 that's where you start. That's not where you end. And there are some other things that, you know, it's, you know, it seems like in this case, well, the law didn't forbid you from doing that, but now we see it and that is not in the spirit of the law and that's illegal, even if it was, you know, unethical. Some people think like, 
Well, if it's unethical, you can't get in legal trouble for it, but there's plenty of unethical stuff that, you know, it's like, well, we uh, hadn't uh, written that into the legislation, but uh, you're still guilty of doing the wrong thing. And just because we didn't tell you not to do it doesn't mean that you can do it. Um, and, you know, that that's what, you know, I think that that both is a challenge for us who are, you know, those of us leading corporate compliance and ethics programs, we have to be able to anticipate some of the things that might not be in the legislation, but we could get in trouble for. And also that should invite us to, you know, authentically build a culture that, you know, lives the values, not just the letter of the law. Absolutely true. And if we relate it back to that post that I had from today about when I was speaking about my family and those values uh, that we instill in our kids, yeah. uh, obviously inherent in that is we obey the law, right? right. Uh, but we go above and beyond that. It, it's what does our Christian values tell us about what we are to do uh, in not only in our home, but then when we step out of our home and yeah, go yeah. to other people's homes, when we go to school, when we um, are in other gatherings with friends or family, um, those values are going to, uh, as long as we, as, a, as parents, strengthen those values and model those, that behavior, that is going to reflect in our kids when they are out uh, in college or in school or in other circles. And yeah, hopefully yeah. they will model that same behavior. Uh, we hopefully that means that, that they'll be doing things that are legal, but beyond <laughs> that, right? Beyond At that. Uh, exactly. Beyond that, are you doing the thing, the kind of things that we've lived by as far as a Christian family that we believe are important in our home and important at school, in your workplace? Are you honest? Are you respectful? Uh, are you loyal? Um, do you uh, open your eyes and ears in, in a loving manner to, to your colleagues, to your classmates? If you do, then I think you're doing the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going above and beyond what's legal. And, you know, I, um, I like that illustration of, you know, what are they going to do when they're outside the house? You know, I think for, uh, you know, ethics leaders, it's what are they doing when they're not in the training classroom? What are they doing when they're not reading the policy or, you know, filling out a conflict of interest attestation form? You know, there's all of this time, you know, for our, our, our employees that we, you know, try to guide and try to care for where, you know, we're, we're not watching, right? We don't have control over them. And we try, we want to try to help, you know, there's some things we do directly, like running e-learning programs or, you know, sending people reminders and, you know, making sure that the policies are easy to reference. There's some of those direct things we do. And hopefully there are some other things that we do to help build this culture, get reinforcement from, you know, managers and executives and things like that. So, you know, I mean, you know, that, that classic definition of integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching. And there are a bunch of times when we as corporate leaders aren't watching and we want to try to increasingly build a culture where our employees are going to do the right thing because they know what it is, because they know what the values are, because they're empowered to do it. And because, you know, given the opportunity to, to say yes or no to something kind of in the gray area, maybe unethical, you know, they, they, they err on the side of acting within our values or maybe coming to us and saying, hey, I just want to check on this before I sign this contract. Absolutely true. I mean, the, the bigger the organization you have, the more of those risks are out there. Not right. just external risks, external risks, but risks from within. The, the bigger your organization is, you've got, you know, you're maybe a multinational organization. So you've got facilities everywhere in the world and you've got to deal with, uh, you know, that, that culture within that uh, country. But also, how does it, how, how does it play uh, along with the, your corporate culture? And so if you are instilling it consistently and if you are doing it in a way that is that goes just beyond checking the boxes 
yeah. hopefully that will permeate through your entire organization. And um, when they're when your employees are out there at, at sales meetings or conferences, they, they are continuing to mirror that that same behavior, um, right. and they're not acting differently simply because they're not in the training room right now, or they're yeah. not in that in that town hall meeting. Sure. Um, that's awesome. So we got to wrap up in a few minutes, but I want to I, I want to talk about your uh, the course that you teach, and, it, and I'd uh, I'd love if you could share with us either something that you deal with in that course. Um, it's about construction law, right? Um, that either you know that we can learn something from, or maybe that just we had no idea that if you're running a construction company, you got to also worry about that thing. Give us a little insight into that domain. Yeah. So real briefly, I, I teach a law. Uh, class called Construction Law and Ethics at University of Houston. It's an undergraduate course, um, but it has uh, it, it has a bent on, on law, right? So it's it, yeah. it focuses on some legal principles in the construction industry, um, both in terms of, of you know, project management, um, whether it's private projects or public projects with, with uh, you know, federal, state, or local authorities. Uh, and so the course talks about, you know, what are some of these regulatory requirements, legal requirements. And even if you get past those, even if you know what those are, depending on what your role is in a particular project, um, what is the right thing to do in terms of your the ethical conduct? Um, what is the right thing to do whenever you are in the bidding process, for example? And um, you might happen, maybe you're the, the contractor, but you might know somebody in the city that, that, that is in charge of reviewing those bids. Do you overstep the boundaries of what is ethical communication between you and your contact? Um, and what is it? What is instilled in your organization about what is it that you're supposed to do or not do? Uh, and when, whenever you are uh, uh, bidding on a, on a on a public project, um, in terms of you know, are you are you uh, what if you are a contractor on a project and you receive a progress payment from the owner? Uh, what are your obligations to then pay your vendors, suppliers, and subcontractors? What is the law say you're supposed to do? And um, sometimes there are some area, gray areas of what you might be able to do with those funds. Maybe you should be paying your subcontractors and vendors or suppliers, but maybe there's a gray area of, can I use those funds for something else? Right. Uh, and, and I'll get it to them later. Exactly. You'll do that yeah. later. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll fund my, my private home purchase of XYZ because I've technically don't have any outstanding bills from my subcontractors or vendors. Uh, and I'm complying with the law because it says if I get a payment from the owner, project owner, uh, and if I have outstanding invoices and bills from subcontractors and vendors, I need to pay those. Well, right. I don't have those at the time. So can I use those funds for other reasons? Yeah. And so yeah, what does the law say about that? But above and beyond that, what is the right thing to do here? Right. So, uh, you know, we focus on uh, those legal concepts and, and throughout the course, we focus on not just, okay, we, th this is what the law says, but what is the right thing to do here? And some of that is a little harder to define because we're in a classroom setting. And so you don't have the benefit of, you know, uh, uh, a corporation that has a, a certain type of corporate culture, and this is what they do when they see right. this. Scenario. So it's harder to, to teach that concept, but but we do, or I do, and, and there's other instructors that teach the same um, the same course. Uh, we do our best to give examples of what we've seen uh, on yeah. our on, on projects, uh, and and you know what we read as well. Uh, I, I try to read as much as I can from different organizational. Um, articles to, to see what what other industries are, are facing in that in that realm 
um, whether it's the construction law uh, or construction industry or manufacturing industry or automotive industry, so that I can um, put those those learned concepts and 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 sort of uh, apply them in my course, uh, even though it's construction law based. But can I apply what I've learned either in my practice or have read about in the you know manufacturing industry to to how an organization like a construction company um, does their day-to-day -day business, both within the realms of what's legal and um, what regulation says, but also within the realms of what is the right thing to do here as far as a company. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, that's a little uh, free free tuition for you guys. Tuition-free uh, teaching from the professor, Mauricio Escobar. Um, this has been great, man. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you sharing your insight. Um, it's great to, you know, hear from someone. You know, I, I love that we started with you talking about, you know, you, you saw this thing happening in the world and you said, I want to have a better impact on helping people and making things right. Uh, and you found your way into law and you found your way into ethics. And now, you know, you're uh, advising your clients and teaching the next generation of thoughtful, caring leaders um, through uh, your role as a professor, how to, you know, go forth and build this world and build our workplaces in a way that treat people better, that do the right thing. And hopefully we're all moving forward in that. Um, it's been really great talking with you today, Mauricio. I appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you contributing your insight and your passion uh, to our audience and to our podcast here. Um, and I just, uh, I, I really hope everyone in the office, uh, in the audience was listening up. And uh, I hope you picked up something today that can help you lead your team better and become a better, a better ethics expert. Thanks for joining us, Mauricio. Anything you want to leave us with or any, in, any way you want to uh, uh, invite people to get in touch with you? Uh, well, like you mentioned, Giovanni, I've got a, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I try to post uh, often, as often as I can. I have a post from today that actually talks about the some of the topics that we talked about uh, today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm, I try to be as active as I can on LinkedIn, sometimes um, um, more active than not, just because of just the day-to-day -day, um, busyness and trying to be proactive. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I encourage you to follow me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Giovanni, I really appreciate our chat today. And, and uh, I've always learned a lot from listening to your podcast. And, and so um, it was a thrill and, and, um, and it was a thrill to, to be on your podcast. But it was also, um, like I said, I, it, was, it was a good chance for me to, to, to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one and yeah. and um, I've, like I said, I've, I've listened to your podcast before. So to find myself on this platform with you is, is, is kind of a thrill for me. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, you're, you're officially an ethics expert, certified by the Ethics Experts podcast, and I appreciate you share, sharing all your insight. It's really, uh, you know, it's encouraging, it's inspiring to see you bringing all these these different concepts together, and you know, helping your students and your clients and everyone listening here to make the world a better workplace. Thank you, Mauricio. Thanks, Giovanni. Appreciate your time.